literally i've had a man this was like obviously obviously when i was younger but literally a man like (laughs) i was like walking through the financial district with my friends it was really funny and a man like ran ran out of a patio and he was like you are the most beautiful woman i have ever seen like i've had like like when i men do crazy stuff but it's just like it's a it's um they're signifiers and it's like a costume you know it's just like yeah you see like a red cheek or a red lip or fucking blonde hair and it's just like right it's so funny to me I'm Trevor Campbell, and this is You Made Me Queer, the show where queer people see their shadow and predict six more weeks of looking gorgeous from all angles. That's right. Every episode, I invite a fantastic 2S LGBTQIA plus guest to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. Whoa. Hey, hi. What a couple of weeks it's been here in old tc uh land thank you again to the beautiful people and i say beautiful in every sense of the word at the hot dogs podcast festival for selecting you made me queer as the opening act for canadian comedy babe samantha b a clip from you made me queer the episode from season one with jinx monsoon was played before she of the padded shoulders, a.k.a. Samantha B., hosted a very charming interview with God's most perfect creation, Andrea Martin. Ugh, it was great. You can still, I think, go listen to it on their website. Uh, enjoy that. It's special. It was an honor to be in both of your orbits. I'm in love with you. Also, I moved. I changed jobs. I dropped an Ikea headboard on my toe and actually almost severed it from my foot. It's been a time, but Mercury is in retrograde. Joni Mitchell is pulling her music from Spotify. We're all making changes. Uh, Fortunately, you did not come here for what several of my college dance teachers called a gently sickled foot, and this was pre- foot damage. This was in my salad days. You came here for queer rage. And that's something I can always, always deliver with a little help from my friends. What a segue. So let's move on to my guest today. My guest today is Critty. One word, one name, a.k.a. Critty Yuranowski. Let's learn more about them. Voice coach and vocal arranger for Juno-nominated U.S. Girls. Also, you may have seen her in films like the musical adaptation of John Waters' Hairspray. Yes, the one with John Travolta. You may know her as part of bands like Lavender Bruisers or one of my all-time favorite bands, Patty Cake. But most importantly, if I may say so, she is the writer and performer behind all of You Made Me Queer's Music. Yes, that is Critty singing the You Made Me Queer theme every dang week. She never phones in sick. She does not take time off. She's not at the après ski. She's uh, singing her face off every time consistently because that's the Critty brand. And now here... What? What is happening? The Benadryl I've been applying to my severed toe is going to my head, and you're the benefactor of that low-grade high. Anyway, you can meet Critty, the babe behind the belt. Occasionally a strong belt mix because she's not just giving it all for today, she wants to be able to give it tomorrow. It's called vocal support. It's called a diaphragm, okay? So without further ado... Start slow clapping those cloven hooves and enjoy my conversation with the deliciously mononymous, I had to Wikipedia that word, critty. 
Let me get, just before we start, Critty, I'm chewing some bubble mint gum, which is nice. both sweet and minty. I know what and, bubble mint is. Oh, you've got it. And I'm now going to take it out of my mouth because you cannot chew gum and make a podcast. Fair enough. There's some ASMR for you. I stuck it on my dresser. Mm-hmm. What you drinking? Uh, limited edition blackberry ginger ale. <laughs> oh, is it limited? When did you get it? I got it yesterday, but it says limited edition on the bottle. So I guess until they run out. <laughs> <laughs> and it goes back in the Disney vault. Keep a few exactly. more of those cans. You can sell them on Kijiji. They're good. I think we still have some 92-93 World Series Coca-Colas. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we had those big time. That 92-93, when, for jokers who don't know, Toronto won the World Series two years in a row somehow. Back Every, to back, baby. Back to back, babe. And then what, <laughs> never again, right? <laughs> we were really close, I think, in like 2014, was it? Don't ask me. Um, I just was, at the time, dating a person who was really into baseball. So I was you, exposed. <laughs> you're exposed. You had to at least feign interest. Yeah. For me, my baseball uh, what exposure would be those two years when we were on top and I was in great four and grade five. And I think we made baseball related crafts in art class in school as like a support our troops sort of thing. We learned and the song. We we yes. had the cassette, the uh, okay, okay, Blue Jays, Blue Jays, let's, oh. let's play, play ball. <laughs> you know, they had to make it appealing for uh, everyone. So there yeah. was like, you know, a little razzle dazzle. That's right. Yeah. It was like, um, I was going to, I don't want to take it to wartime right away, but I was like the kind of thing you do, like propaganda, baseball propaganda. It was baseball propaganda. I mean, like people love, straight people love <laughs> sports. <laughs> yeah. It's their Oscars. It's their arts and entertainment, you know? I guess so. For me, I've never cared. Like I like athleticism. I like, uh, I like establishing stakes and then trying to, compete. However, the stakes of sports never matter to me. So it's not like if I go to a game and one team is winning and one team is losing, I don't get why I don't get how I can get invested in that. Are you? No, no, no. No, absolutely not. I'm not yeah. a sport. I'm not a sporto. <laughs> um but like I I'm like that across the board. I don't love competition shows. I've never like mm. I'm a singer, but I don't like singing competition shows. It's too stressful for me. Oh yeah, so, we went to theater school. It's like it, it's so traumatizing to see that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like that's what theater school is. Only you have to like be the Simon Cowell to your friends and classmates who are <laughs> all like still kind of teenagers and like really vulnerable and like doing their best and like the uh the stakes feel so high and there's like no sense to like who is liked and who is disliked by the faculty and so it's just uh it's like a reality show or or some kind that's like i feel like the highest stakes of my life were like when i was like going into like mvp2 you know <laughs> it sounds like you've really recovered from it I'm doing, you know, I'm in the program. <laughs> <laughs> For people who don't know, because that was a deep cut, MVP2 was a music theater vocal performance class where we would essentially just do music theater scenes and songs in like the basement of an abandoned uh, university building. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, it. But then like, you know, everybody's else's Mark also depended on critiquing you, like giving their critiques of you. Uh And like, so it was all like we had to have so many like critical opinions on each other, but also work together. And I don't know. I don't know if I needed to have like another 19 year old's opinion on my like (laughs) Sondheim piece, you know, like. No, the answer is no. And then you have to go hang out with them and you're like, Becky, what's your fucking deal with my Sondheim piece? Or like adversely which i would say like i i experienced a lot of like mental health issues for the first time in college and mm. so i think that like i'm not like i don't talk talk like super openly about these kinds of things but i think it's good too but like i was diagnosed around that time with bipolar disorder mm-hmm. so i think my uh 
end of it would be like, I might be too harsh and too critical to people and like hurt people's feelings because right. I felt like I had to. That was a whole, that's the whole thing kind of about like that, especially such a niche part of the entertainment industry is just like this <laughs> scarcity mindset is such a built in part of it. And like, I'd say even like triply so in like the Canadian musical theater world. So oh, it's yeah. just like, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it was just like, it could get really like nasty. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's like, I mean, any, any art creator developing your critical eye well, it's useful. The problem is it happens way faster than your talent or your output. So you just develop this like cutting critique about why something was hot trash. And then you're right, a bunch of 19 year olds dishing it out to each other. But honestly, what has changed? Nothing has changed. Um, I think maybe the some of it, the delivery may have changed. Like I find as like a teacher and a collaborator and like an artist myself, when mm -hmm. I have to step into like a leadership position, like I think important things to remember are things like how you deliver, how you deliver criticism is so important mm -hmm. um, because like the tone of what you're saying and how you're telling it to someone, like you need that to actually connect to them to like shift and move and improve, right? It's not like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna uh, really tear this person down with a great quip. <laughs> like we have, right. a, we have a little uh, sound bite. Like, <laughs> do you know, like on Thirty Rock, where Jenna is like a judge on a kids singing competition? <laughs> oh my god! It's called America's Kids Got Singing, and they, <laughs> and they have to, they have to do like different takes of her like in she's the mean one mm. so she had, they had to do different takes of her like insulting a child singing it's like a six-year-old and she's like go jump up your mother liddy jump <laughs> up your mother liddy jump up your mother liddy like <laughs> so funny <laughs> so then what are your hot tips for you made me queers audience how do you deliver uh, an appropriate critique well i think it's like if you if you don't have something very specifically constructive to say right off the bat, mm. uh, sometimes I might need to actually have the person, do, like if they just did a piece, I might be like, I need you to do it one more time. Oh, I love that. Before I give you a feedback because I just, I need to see it one more time because I don't know. Yeah. And then if I see, cause, because of course, a lot of the time, the first time you do something, especially for a Performing for one other person is so vulnerable. It's so different from performing for an audience, right? Uh huh. So like, I only perform for singles. Only solos. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Private room. Hey, are you a cam girl? Is that how you're like getting through the pandemic? I don't like to use labels or names, <laughs> but I uh, I do have an offshore account for Incredible. exclusively for cam work. <laughs> no, just kidding. But listen, uh, okay, so maybe that's the perfect segue. Unless you had more, you can add more there later. That's the perfect I always segue. I have more. It's fine. <laughs> segue away. She's got the fuel, baby. So, learning <laughs> how to critique is something where we want to be tactful and coy because we don't want to alienate or hurt people. With that being said, there are certain circumstances where you are free to. Just really let them have it and let your rage fly. And fortunately, Critty, this is one of them. Because when you and I were growing up, when you and I were sitting in the folding chairs of MVP2 in the Dark Ages, people did not know what was making people queer. We knew something was happening. It could happen to our friends. It could happen to our family. If you held up a golf club during a storm, perhaps yeah. you would be struck <laughs> with a hot bolt of queerness. But now we're adults <laughs> and that we've both graduated uh, from the MVP2 and MVP3, I might add. Mm, I want to give you the opportunity. I'm, I'm very saliva. You think it's from the, the gum. Regardless, I digress. I want to give you, Critty, the opportunity once and for all to stand up in front of a jury of your peers, your classmates, some of whom are 19, some of whom are older, and point the finger of blame once and for all, Kriti Uranowski, who or what made you queer? Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> yes. Have you Same. had anybody else say Pee Wee? Have you talked about Pee Wee on here? 
No, no one has said, I think we've all been thinking Pee-wee, but bring it on. <laughs> so every, everything about Pee-wee's Playhouse definitely made me queer or yeah. like resonated with my, my queerness. Um, mm. There's something, something going on over there at the Playhouse. And I just wanted <laughs> to be a part of like whatever was going on you know 100%. so like I so always, how old were you when you first started watching peewee's i was about four or five years old perfect so target demo yeah and um it was my favorite show i was up waiting for it on saturday mornings and i still have like such a vivid memory of when like it got canceled uh <laughs> because of paul rubin's like i guess indecent exposure uh incident i believe it was like at a porn theater so i don't yeah. i mean i know what's in my, in my opinion that seems to be the place uh, honestly if you're gonna jerk off in a building it should probably be if it's not your home at the very least a porn theater yeah and i was like oh man and like i had heard rumblings on the playground like he put his he showed people his penis like right. that was like what i heard on the playground and then i like went to turn it on on saturday and it wasn't on and i was like Mom, I didn't like ask her specifically, but I was like, what's going on? And she was like, no more Pee-wee. And she was like, no more Pee-wee. <laughs> and it was like super sad. And like Enough we definitely said. like talked about it in like age appropriate terms because okay. my mom is like super frank like that. She's a nurse and like a uh, nursing instructor. And she's like, she's done a million things. She's like a powerful boss ass lady. Yes. But yeah, I was that was like pretty devastating. But yeah, every single thing about it. Like I was obsessed with the theme song, and like later in life, I find out like the theme song was like written and sung by Cindy Lauper, who's like a huge influence on me, oh also. God. And like my that like Cindy Lauper is the that's the I wanted that flavor, and this was mm -hmm. like in the eighties, and I grew up in like Whitby, which is a suburb of Toronto, <laughs> um, which is similar to like any other suburb of Toronto, sort of like Guelph, London. Oakville, all these places just kind of like are based around like suburbs and like uh like uh AMC theater and what are those called? Like not strip malls, but power centers. Yeah, yeah, or Very smart nice. centers. Yeah. yeah, the thing where basically you could drive into any other suburb around a big city and kind of know where everything was because it was just the same city plan, like plunked over. With like a Dimitri's fancy waffle place with the ice cream. <laughs> I would get so sick there. I, I know because so you'd eat the whole. That's not an appropriate portion for a child I mean, or for anyone, and you or can't for... take it home. <laughs> I know. Like, yeah, I remember getting so sick from Dimitri's, like many, like so many times, and yeah. just never learn. No, uh, <laughs> no, there's no lesson there. You had nothing to learn. But you're right in that because I grew up in Oakville, uh, another suburb in the periphery of Toronto, and. You know, there, there. I'm sure there's a punk element. There's a punk element to Whitby, but by and large, at that well, age, you're getting like everything served up to you from a factory. I would say that's correct. And then, like on the side, as I got older, I would spend more time like doing stuff in Oshawa, and I feel Oshawa had oh, a yeah. bit more of a built-in underground punk scene. Um, like you could go to an all ages punk show at like the Polish combatants hall. And there was like, you know, of, uh, a venue called the dungeon that I went to, you know, to see like my friends bands and like gob, you know? So yeah. that was like there, yeah, yeah. but also in Oshawa is where like, I met my first like queer community, oh. um, through like, I did community theater and so I would meet, like, I would always kind of fall for queer guys. Oh, yeah. Um, Me too. When I was, Same. Yeah. <laughs> when I was younger and um, we would all, like, hang out at the mall. And, like, I think around that same time, like, the, this is, like, the late 90s, early 2000s, um, there was, like, a big production in Oshawa of Rocky Horror going on. So, like, kind of all yeah. the freaks really cool. knew each other and had bonded. And I sort of was, like on the outskirt of that, like tagging along being like, I want to go here. Yeah. Like, yeah. um, do you know, what's funny. Cause that, um, Oakville was kind of similar in some ways. And I remember like, as I was aging out of grade school and moving into high school, 
getting a little punkier. Like I was into sort of ska punk, like no doubt at the time was not not what it is now or what it became. No, no. But like was I was a huge and... No Doubt fan. That's why I started bleaching my hair when I was 12. There you go. And I got mm. little Dalmatian highlights at the salon. Which no. Was my oh, my I God. Know. I would have been obsessed with you. I st- well, yeah, oh, my God. I steered wrong. But what's funny was because I, I liked smashing pumpkins and that kind of thing. But then I got to high school and I remember starting – because suddenly all the grade schools are funneled into one place mm-hmm. and starting to make new friends and meeting some kind of punkier kids that I really liked. And they were like kind of welcoming me into their, their fold. And like we talked about earlier, when you're younger, you, you, you I don't know, you're working at your kinks in that you can be a bit of a dick sometimes. So these kids were accepting me, but I know they didn't they were like, is this kid cool enough to hang out with us? Because we're skater punk kids. You're kind then, of like on probation. I was on probation because I would also really like the Spice Girls. Um, but then we had our right. first dance and it was a much music video dance party Sick. at St. Thomas Aquinas. Big deal. And yes. I was getting dressed and my brother was like, it's your first dance. Like, you got to look, you got to look sharp. Oh, he's like, your brother. Wait for it. So he's like, <laughs> I'll lend you some of my clothes. I don't, he didn't force these on me. I don't blame him. I blame myself. But I wear a, I chose a Tommy Hilfiger polo shirt and khakis. And I think I might have been wearing loafers because I was like, it's a dance. And as so you're soon trying as, to, yeah. Oh. Yeah. So those punk kids saw me there the first time out of my uniform because we wore uniforms in high school. Right, 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 right. Yeah. And they were they, like, yeah. oh, no, you're not our friend. Oh, fuck. I know, but it's okay. That is a very parallel experience to me, like the Much Music video dance at Catholic high school, all of Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But then you you were able to get in with those kids. You didn't wear Tommy Hilfiger polo shirts in front of them. No, I like, it was interesting because like I spent my younger years, like my friends were like punks and skaters, but like I really didn't like those guys. They weren't like into me. I was like, you know, I was like, this like six feet tall and I was like 13 and I'm a Mm. bigger girl and like they liked my friends so I would hang out you know what I mean like I was kind of like on the fringes um and then I kind of dove into like being a real introvert and being on the internet a lot Mm -hmm. and then when I was 15 I realized I could sing really good Mm -hmm. I could sing real good um (laughs) (laughs) speaking of Cindy Lauper sung the Pee Wee Herman theme song Pretty (laughs) Yarnowski saying the You Made Me Queer theme song. Okay. Thank you so much. It's yeah. a piece I'm very proud of. As you should um, be. It was a crowdsourced piece from friends over Instagram. Like what made them queer? I asked a bunch of different people and I picked my favorite ones and I that's why they're so weird and specific. So great. Yeah. So, so and I recently folks. watched, I mean, we're we're going off the road like multiple times here. It's but I recently watched my beautiful laundrette for the first time and Daniel Day Lewis and and God, I apologize. I do not know the other actor's name, but both of them were so hot, and that is a sexy movie for the eighties. Wow, wow, you are. You made me queer. You made me queer. We'll be right back. And now back to more. You made me queer. Uh, before you crowdsourced the song, you were talking about high school, getting off the internet. You could sing real good. Could sing real good, and then. When I entered doing, um, when I was singing in in class, one of my uh, a substitute teacher was like, "Can you dance?" Because I'm directing a production of West Side Story at the community theater, and I was like, "Can I dance?" I had been dancing since I was like four, and I just yes. never quit. So uh-huh. I was I was a really good dancer, even though I was like fat and kind of weird. I just like loved to to dance. I was like a tap dancer, and I liked to do it, and it was yeah. just like. I wasn't into quitting, so I just never did. You know, like everyone kind of quits when they're like 12 and they just want to hang out. I was like, well, I can go to dance class and then like go home and shower and hang out. Like it's not a big deal. So you were Um, someone who could just like follow through. That's so foreign to me as a child. I That's the thing. I burnt out really early, I think. Like I was so hardcore for so long Mm -hmm. and like went and I was like, dance, like super uh, anorexia um, (laughs) because I want to get into acting school and then going to acting school and like mental health and competition and and then the first job you get cast in out of college is the movie Hairspray. Like I peaked. Like I peaked when I was like 22, you know, like I just like 
had these like huge dreams and like the only thing I didn't truly like didn't get to do was like go on Broadway like I was like a little hairs away so many times from different um opportunities oh, I don't but doubt I mean, it but wait who were you being, in hairspray so I was uh, I believe I'm my cast name is one of Mr. Pinky's customers and I am uh in the uh shop when during Welcome to the 60s when they go in and they get the like makeover from uh Mr. Pinky and there's a scene inside the shop we get about a minute long dance scene with about seven dancers yes plus plus John Travolta, Jerry Stiller, Nikki Blonsky and the um and the Dynamites. So it was no great deal. of course um Sharon Matthews was in that with me of course, as well yeah. as um I don't know if you know Mary McCandless she's an incredible actress as, uh, the name as means well nothing these to are- me. These I'm just kidding. Made- I'm kidding. <laughs> no, these are just like, you know, yeah, cool bad, deal, the cool deal. badass women that like I had been working in Canadian music theater for a while, and like I wanted to be like so much. It was just like crazy, like yeah. that. That was my first job. That so and then crazy I- <laughs> and probably unhealthy in a way. Where like set this insane standard of here's your career. And then, you know, that's yeah, just not the I way mean, it works. I mean, like, I had never been, like, unrealistic about that because, like, they would not let you at school. Like, I mm. think that's why I was definitely um, treated with a lot of favoritism and nepotism at school. Um, I am t- very talented, but so is everybody mm-hmm. who makes it through that program. Um, but, like, I feel like I got a lot more breaks when it came to my mental health issues. I mm. had a lot more extensions I could take more time and I don't feel like that was fair but um anyhow but I do know that like I feel like they were like that because they knew like she's gonna get out there and she's gonna be fucked for 25 years like you know what I mean and if she can survive then she'll have a wonderful run in her 50s 60s and 70s if she can make it and (laughs) and now we know that the apocalypse is gonna happen before any of us get that old I know it's so uh, it's so hilarious because you know when you're 22 and I'm just like I just want to be a I just want to be a character actress. Oh my god! And like that's the thing. Like there, that's there's a not a lot of people who want to be character actress actresses who have the skills and like stick to it for that long. Uh-huh. But god damn it, like if they do, they should be playing those parts, right? Oh my! And those are the people where like often you're you don't know their name, but you're like, oh, I've seen you in every single movie. Like there's this one dude in um, oh, what's it called Vegas Vacation with Chevy Chase, like of the Vacation series, like Christmas Vacation, blah blah blah. I'm familiar. Yeah. Oh, you know. <laughs> and there's a guy, a little short bald guy, who is the dealer at the casino, who Clark loses to every time, and that guy is in every movie. Do you know who I'm talking about? No, absolutely not. I apologize. Can't wait to have him on the show. No, mm-hmm. I I should know his name. I think there's some. Uh, some interesting like books and documentaries on that subject too because like yeah. like like look at brian cox like from uh i don't know do you watch succession oh yeah who's which one's brian cox so brian cox is logan roy like shut I your mouth believe like he's a theater actor and, and has done a lot of character work like and um like to see these people these like heavyweights like you know, he could have probably done that part like 20 years ago with age makeup, but just to see someone like grow into it like that is so fucking cool. It's just like the art gets so sucked out of the world so much because it's like, this is the strategy and this is how you do it to make it. So let's just fill in the boxes. And so it's nice to like, remember that there's artists. I mean, being an artist is a fucking luxury and a privilege to be able to even think in that mindset but yeah yeah anyway i'm just fucking no talking shit no Sorry. But i know what you mean <laughs> i totally know what you mean in that and i think this is one of the struggles always but may- maybe especially now in as jobs disappear and industries collapse and you know we crawl out of the tire fire that is w- whatever this experience has been um and having to you know, constantly like fit into that job description or that role breakdown or whatever. After a while, I mean, it's hard to stay a peewee in the world, right? To go back to Paul Rubens, like someone who was able to get a net TV network deal and be like, hey, I was able to stay a total weirdo. And by virtue of that, I think like 
attract a community of weirdos because everyone he brought on that show was like on another planet. Yeah. Yeah. Phil Hartman was on there. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Fishburne was on there. So good. <laughs> he was Cowboy Curtis. Yes, um, totally Cowboy Curtis. And I don't know if you've seen the Christmas special. Oh, I don't think um, I have. So I believe it's on, It's I think it's on YouTube. It's one of the greatest Christmas specials I've ever seen. Ugh. Maybe the only one I watch every year. Grace Jones is on it and does a really amazing version of the little drummer boy. Oh, um, yeah. I've seen this yeah. clip. Yeah. Have you seen the Star Wars Christmas special? I have, but not since we were like in college because B. Arthur's on it and I love B. Oh, yeah. Talk about like insanity. B. Arthur, I think Dionne Warwick is like a a sort of holographic cam girl, essentially, for Chewbacca's dad. It's real hot. Anyway, I don't remember any of it. That's Um, fine. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to. But like, yeah. uh, I think that like, uh, yeah, Katie Ling was in the Pee Wee Christmas special, yes. and like, um, Annette Funicello was in it. Whoa, <laughs> was yeah, like, Beach Blanket Bingo. And I was like, I know her mainly from like, I used to really like watching like old Mickey Mouse Club. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. But yeah, just like what we, it is just like I loved the irreverence. Mm-hmm. I loved the creativity. I love puppets. Yeah. Um. It's that, like, I guess, like, it's that whole thing, you know, like, RuPaul says, like, you need to find your tribe. RuPaul's mm-hmm. not the only person who said that, but you know what I mean. And it's I love just your like, RuPaul oh. impression, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, like, I want to, I like weirdos. I want to be around the weirdos. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to find those, especially as a kid, something that could get onto network TV, which is why it was kind of a double shame, because, like, oh, my God, we watched peewee movies obsessively as a kid and something about not just peewee but like everyone in that world i was like i get like elvira's the leader of the biker gang in the peewee movie it's just like these people are all larger than life and i feel like i i could walk into one of those situations and there'd be a place for me certainly inside that huge dinosaur oh my god yes yes but then that's why to to punctuate my own point that's why it was a shame when he got kind of labeled as a sex predator yeah it's a really difficult thing for anybody who works with or is involved with children which is the majority of the world a lot of the world to also like to balance who you are as an adult human with children and who you are as an adult human who is a sexual person and that right um line has never been fair or um like it's just like i feel like with peewee it's like a, it's, it was like with peewee with paul rubin it was like <laughs> um a i because i don't think he was dressed like it's not like he was there dressed like peewee herman you know what no, i mean that's but the it thing. was a case of wrong place wrong time and that could have been any of your dad's it's true. A hundred percent. hundred percent. Sorry. Sorry. Sorry about it could it. Have been. And yeah, because it was moralized, especially in late 80s, early 90s, or it was mid 90s, maybe moralized in a way where it's like, almost like he was a pedophile because of the association with children. And it's like, no, no, no. He and didn't... like the being weird, like he's weird, yeah. quote unquote weird. But it's like, who's weird? Or like, is it Pee Wee? Or is it like Bozo who does this with like, no hint of like, right? satire, irony, camp, like is, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, what, not in on the joke, like John you know? Wayne Gacy, full, Oof. full tilt. Good, good. Yeah. <laughs> He yes. really he really fucked up clowns for a lot of. I know it's really too world. bad, huh? I like the clowns the are cool. form. Like, but you know what? Like one of our, uh, like, like we have drag queens. You know what I mean? We and do. like, yeah. and I mean that like, like Bianca Del Rio. She self identifies as a clown, and like mm-hmm. we love her. Like she has her signature clown makeup. She doesn't mm-hmm. make. You know what I mean? Um, so we're reclaiming know, clowns. You know, is that what you're saying? Do you know about the clown makeup registry? No, it's I, I'm kind of paraphrasing, but there's a small book. And I guess when you're an official clown, you have to have your signature face like no two clowns <gasps> faces are the same. Oh and you God. draw the makeup on an egg. And then there's a book. <laughs> and there's a book of all the eggs that that way. So like when I'm developing my clown, I refer to the registry so and I not, see like, what's been taken. That's smart. I wonder why I get eggs are shaped like some people's faces, but not hashtag not all faces. 
I got so, a real I got a real egghead, so I'm okay with you. That. You're ready to go. So, would you would you have a pro clown? Um fuck y'all eggs. <laughs> I think I am a clown, like in like when I put on like I consider myself like, you know, a clown, a drag I'm not like a full drag artist, but like mm. when I I call it like my best friend Liz and I call it putting on our human woman costume, you know, like <laughs> right now I'm talking to you and I'm like in loungewear and I've got a hat on and my hair is like under a hat. Um, but like when I and I want to be invisible. So or, mm-hmm. or like, you know, I don't care about mm-hmm. being seen. And this makes me fucking invisible. It's yeah. so interesting to me. Like I throw up even without before masks like people will not look at me like if I'm like bundled up in my coat and stuff like that like I'm six foot tall I'm like a like plus size big woman like people wouldn't take a second look at me but if I like put on some lip gloss um, or something (laughs) no it's like little literally like put your hair make your hair a bit big and have your I have like long blonde hair and then you show your boobs and then you wear something tied around your waist and you wear like a little bit of a high heel and then every like literally i've had a man this was like obviously obviously when i was younger but literally a man like (laughs) i was like walking through the financial district with my friends it was really funny and a man like ran ran out of a patio and he was like you are the most beautiful woman i have ever seen um like like i've had like like when i men do crazy stuff but it's just like it's a it's um they're signifiers and it's like a costume, you know, it's just yeah, like, yeah. you see like a red cheek or a red lip or fucking blonde hair. And it's just like, right. It's so funny to me. Which is a hundred percent. And that reminds me to go back to music theater school. Uh, one teacher who I will not name, who at like a name nine. Them, name them. <laughs> oh, that should, be a, name. Uh, that should eight, be a new segment. <laughs> name, them. A, name them where we call out people. It was an eight 30 in the morning class. And a young woman, this was first year, came into this class and sat down, totally trying to be invisible, I think, like you said. And this teacher, who was not teaching looks appraisal, looked at this woman and was like, you know, you look like one of those models in New York. And it's 8.30 in the morning. And she was like, cool, thank you. Uh, Thanks, Dad. Now, can we start your training? Oh, yeah. That's... that. Uh, individual has said some deeply scarring things to me too. I'm, Maybe I'm, we'll I'm cut not it trying out. To hint out. I, that no! was not a hint. It's Let's okay. Move on. Um, Everybody knows who you're talking about. So we're going back to this. Is this will not hold up in court? We're going back to because oh, I want to make sure you've hit everything there. Pee wee, which is like pretty full body dark. Is there anyone you want to blame after post pee wee? Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, like gay men was like oh, that was yeah. a thing Same. like it was again i love like i would always fall for like my gay friends like i'd meet all the first gay people i met i just lo- fell in love with mm-hmm. but of course this is the 90s and it was a time of a very detrimental statement made by uh miss carrie bradshaw which was oh, no. i believe like uh that bisexuality is just a stopover on the way to gay town yeah yeah, um, so much did not stand the test of time from that, that show. Was, but that was like an oft-repeated statement. So, like, I get it. Like, we were all, like, really horny and, like, you know, guys into guys, totally. Like, I didn't – once I understood, like, once I knew someone was gay, I stopped, like, having a crush on them. I wasn't, like, obsessive after the fact. Yeah. However, there was just such a dis – like, a dissonance between – the men that I really got along with who were gay and queer and the men, the straight men who I had met, who I had dated, who I had like, who were like kind of options to me in this kind of suburban town. So um, it was quite painful for me, actually, I feel to like think, Oh really? There's like not bisexual guys. That sucks because I, because I feel like that, might be a like a good for fit for me, but I don't think I could even articulate that until I was like in my 30s because I had been so hammered in, like, okay, that's not a possibility. And then like um I didn't have the right options because I wasn't I wasn't a hundred percent like queer uh lesbian. Yeah. Like yeah. I was never I wasn't generally uh when I was younger uh interested in women plus 
uh, but I think a lot of that was like my, my self esteem around my own femininity and my mm, own like mm-hmm. internalized misogyny with myself. Sure. So you know, like I think that those all of that, like you know, we've got the fucking whole bingo card. It's like you know, I was raised Catholic and raised in the, <laughs> the suburbs, raised in the the eighties and nineties where it was just everything was homophobic, fat phobic. Yeah. yeah. Um every fucking th- racist sexist everything just like to excess to the extreme and so like uh in the end like i'm a super sensitive person and like take things take things really personally and things Great. affect me affect yeah. me for a long time you know sure. as, so, as they should <laughs> you you yeah. can feel yeah but it was just like for the longest time i felt i couldn't even identify as queer because i had dated like i haven't had a plethora of long-term relationships, but like the majority of my long-term relationships have been with men. Yeah. And that's really interesting too, because in that period sort of, even though we were at theater school and people think of arts communities as really queer positive places and they can be, but we did not know how to separate uh, gender performance and orientation at all. And the only stop like carrie bradshaw said stop between gay town and whatever straightsburg bisexuality is a layover on the way to gay town is what yeah she said. so it's like Nasty. <laughs> so and that's the only and and i think we thought of it in such specific terms like that was a node there was nothing in between so you couldn't probably even imagine like maybe you were attracted to a hetero dude who was kind of femme presenting or like whatever all the time yeah but that would be so confusing because people were like no he's gay even if he was like no i'm not i'm just sort of femme like we didn't have any we were so fucking proto with that stuff and we still are in a lot of ways oh for sure like it was like that just there was no language and also like yeah Remember, like, when I, like, moved into my dorm room, I had to wait, like, four days to get the internet, you know? like this <laughs> Yeah, we had not, no information. You know what I mean? This is yeah. not, like, the information superhighway. This is, like, the information horse and buggy still. Like hundred <laughs> percent. And then when the information did come out, like, we, the queer media we had at the time, you know, sure, we had the Cindy Loppers and the whatever, but the big TV shows at the time were The L Word and Queers Folk, both of which were very segregated <laughs> yeah that's right you get different if you're this you go in this tv show and here there's no buy tv show for sure or anything else and it was at least queer as folk was painted in a way where i was like hang on i'm none of those dudes no so like who do i bone or who <laughs> well they would like like i would just be like i don't know one of my like the hag number four i hate it i hated the name yeah like i was often called fag hag um for a long time my longest queer friend uh maya jeremiah mm. a fabulous incredible human being he never called me that he would always call me a fairy queen or a fruit fly <laughs> uh, uh, second one i don't know because like i get it you have gorgeous hair you're tall yeah. you can sing like a monster so like you there's a, a 19 year old gay boy meets you and kind of like creates like a fantasy narrative around you, which is probably not super helpful. I was lucky, I think, in that, like, there was a few people I really connected with. Like, when I met Dustin, mm. um, uh, Dustin Bradshaw, co- another colleague of ours, uh, he was just like, we were, he was like, I'm from Ajax and you're from Whippy. Let's be best friends. <laughs> and then, like, but we just, like, our vibe connected right away because he's a fucking weirdo. Oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and and there's the luckily I found like people who respected me, you know, like mm-hmm. um I mean, but that's just like with any like with queer people or straight people, like there'll be people who respect your boundaries and your shit, and people who won't. Um, and Big time. Like learning how to weed them out is definitely uh, another thing, especially when you're in a school like that and you have to work so intimately together on like really difficult things. Yeah. Yeah. So totally. drama. Yeah. I, it's, we did I mean, it. it's pretty insane. It's pretty <laughs> insane for it. sure. Yeah. And, and in a way that honestly, I don't know, but you, it sounds like maybe you agree as a queer person didn't ironically didn't do me a lot of favors instead, you know, it connected me to a lot of queer people, but it built on a whole lot of a weird trauma I had to work through later to find my inner peewee 
and for you to get back to your inner peewee. Yeah, I find the reason, I mean, I don't do musical theater anymore. I'm like, <laughs> I consider myself retired from musical theater. Same and, and the reason, and like, I was still really, I don't know when you retired, but I was still really like hustling my ass off until about like 2016, 2017. Whoa. Like, so for quite a long time, I really hung on to that dream. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, one thing I've really realized, and I think it's just like in better educating myself and like through like, um, like therapeutic processes of trying to dismantle my own internalized misogyny is that like the musical theater industry is run by very powerful. Uh, I find um, it's generally like, I feel like it's things are often run often, not always often run by powerful gay men who are catering to the straight male gaze. Whoa. Yeah. That feels so, right. Yeah. So um, it was just like so many layers of like hate, self-hate and like yeah. internalized yeah. hate. And on top of that, just the blatant racism. Oh, yeah. I just. Thank God we fixed that, huh? <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely not fixed, but I can't, can't be a part of it anymore. Yeah. You know, like, and I support like all my like friends who are performers of color who are fucking like kicking their like kicking walls down and like kicking mm -hmm. ass and who are amazing but like it's uh it's hard to hard to see hard to to realize when you're a part of it a hundred percent right and then now because it's sort of a hot item everyone's like you're so brave which i don't think is a terribly helpful thing to say to someone in a lot of contexts but you back to your transition with that it's interesting that you, because you are like, you're an art soul, you're a, a art weirdo, and you found, basically you couldn't, I don't know, you can work in other people's productions, but you basically had to like create the production around you, which is you moved into the music industry as a producer and a musician and a singer. I mean, yeah, like that's, the, the nice thing about the music industry is the projects are almost all original, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're originating something, you can really, from the core, try and do it right. Not figuring out how to make, like, South Pacific diverse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And it's like, I love these plays. I want these plays to be, like, these musicals to be done. I don't think they should be forgotten. But it's just, like, the industry needs such an overhaul. And, like, people with money don't seem to like overhauls <laughs> i know right <laughs> they don't it's, love them once you so. get to that spot it's what we talked about earlier it's so hard to stay freaky to change to pivot because you don't want to lose what you fought for anyway back to your music career i'd like yeah so i've i've always I, I mean not always i started writing music when i was at school because mm -hmm. We luckily had like the entire commercial performance component of our program. So I do feel I learned a ton about how to perform on stage in a band from music theater and from this commercial perform commercial performing program that we mm -hmm. got to do. Um, and when I left school, uh, I, a few years out of school, uh, some friends began uh, the first girls rock camp Toronto. So I started working with a ton of different people that I maybe wouldn't have known or wouldn't have met otherwise because so many different amazing artists have come to volunteer at girls rock camp Toronto. And that's been going on for over 10 years now. So and rad. so basically through that, I have also been, you know, was doing musical theater, uh, was coaching people, uh, basically retaught myself to play the piano through all of this because you know you need to make a buck I can teach people a lesson you need to play the piano while you teach the singing it's <laughs> you know I took piano lessons for a long time it didn't click but when mm. I was in my mid-20s it really clicked and like now I'm getting to be a, a good piano player which is cool to Love me it. because it was never my favorite Mm -hmm. It was definitely more of a means to an end thing, but I do love the piano. Um, anywho, so doing Girls Rock Camp, I have my first band, Potty Cake, which you designed the art for our first EP. I'm such a legit yeah. big fan of Patty Cake and oh, that first you. album, Prime Minister of <laughs> Cool Chicks, I listened to so much. 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's I like, uh, I mean, your voice, your voice, you have, like, your character in the best way. Oh, I'm so sorry. It just froze in the middle oh. of you complimenting me. Could you take that again? <laughs> Could um, you say that a few more times? <laughs> I was just saying, your your voice and you, there's your, I said you're a character, but what I think I mean more is you, there's such a, a one-of-a-kind quality to you that you don't back away from that I have so much respect for. Well, it's it's impossible to back away from. Well, I'm you know glad you I mean? don't. You could if you tried. Oh, it's so ugly when you see people back away from who they are, though. Like, that's what I think that's what maybe cringe is to me. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not like being earnest or being cool. It's like, are you earnest? Then be earnest. Are you cool? Then be cool. Like, be you and like find that. Oh, be, be you. Be yourself. Uh, but it's like. What a novel takeaway. No, but it's like that's like be yourself is such a like fucked like kind of philosophical like cone you know like it's like who am i yeah what am i doing here who is myself how do i best be myself how do i be myself without hurting others like i don't know i got really into um shamanic healing this year so i've i've been uh even more trippy dippy than usual um i i was really blessed to meet this woman amy who is a shamanic uh like a shamanic teacher and uh healer and um she actually came to me for singing lessons and then i came to her for some healing work and and um got to do some interesting like workshops surrounding those things and it's been really just like beneficial for every single part of my life. It's been really cool. Uh, anyway, sorry, I got off on a little spiritual tangent. No, there. I'm so happy to hear it. And also when the world, as the world burns down around us and then is reborn like a, a, a disease-ridden phoenix, <laughs> that is what I, you know, this this exchange of here's what I do as me. Um, I'm not going to like file it down. And then you do what you do is you and we trade these things and we're in a cashless society. No tap necessary. It's just all energy exchange. Oof. And Peewee is our personal Lord and Savior. Yeah, that's actually my Amy, Shaman Amy, mm-hmm. huge Peewee fan. Yeah, is she? Oh, yeah. She actually right. has, uh, she has met and become uh, buddies with Paul Rubens, which is pretty fucking cool. <laughs> of course. Yeah. See, that's when you are, here's yeah. my trade comment. When you are authentically yourself, you it's attractive and you attract people who understand what you're doing and what you try and do. Uh, and it's really refreshing when you get there, but sometimes it's hard to get paid doing it. Now, Critty, I just want to <laughs> summarize for us. So we had, um, I think the two main things, certainly Pee Wee, aka Paul Rubens, and the entire a all gay boys, gay boys. Uh, and all gay boys and all gay boys <laughs> uh, made you queer. That's that's a lot of blame. So I think we should probably draw the line there. Yeah, I mean, you guys did your service. You gays did your service. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, gays. You gays. Thanks, gay. Uh, now, before I let you go, and I certainly don't want to. Do you want to play a game? Always. This game is called, and it's going to be cued in by your vocal cue, Queer, mm. Queerer, Queerest. Queerer, Queerest. Come through, Pat Benatar. So you know, you know what? The, I, I know the rules. I know the rules. You know the I'll rules, just be quiet. <laughs> I'm going to say them unless it's your first time listening or in case it's your first time listening. I'm going to give you three things. You're going to put them in order from least queer to most queer and tell me why. No questions, right? Got it. Thanks. Thing number one. Rings that extend across more than one finger, but not brass mm. knuckles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Thing number two, restaurants that require the server to write their name on the tablecloth at the beginning of service. Ooh. Like, hey, I'm Tammy. And then she whips out a crayon as you were. Thing number three, the phrase, use it or lose it. Wow. So, so to recap, rings that is rings that go across more than one finger but aren't brass knuckles. Correct. Number two, restaurants where the server has to write their name on the table, like mm-hmm. with a crayon on brown paper. Hi, I'm Tammy. Yeah. And then number three was use it or lose it. Yeah, the phrase use it or lose it. So least okay, queer so- to most queer, and tell me why. Uh, least queer Tammy on the table. Um, <laughs> Tammy on the table. That that's like such a like Montana's at the like AMC twenty four and Whippy like vibe. totally and with the Demetrius Montana's, Chaser. 
yeah. If you're Montana's, if you're doing well, um, <laughs> and then no, the middle one is the rings because that's actually I think like a straight girl Instagram thing. Like, oh, is it like a double you know, finger ring? Yeah, a couple. It depends on the ring. Like, it's definitely also a witch thing. Oh, um, that's so pretty like, queer. Yeah, and like, but a lot of witches are queer. But there's a lot of like straight witches too. I'm oh, a witch. So. You just rolled your eyes so hard at straight witches. <laughs> no, no, no. I didn't mean it like that. I can hate straight them. witches. <laughs> and then definitely use it or lose it is very queer. Why? Just, it's like, it just, it's just, just the tone. What's use it, it or lose it? When you picture this phrase, what's the it? Like, use what you've got or you're going to lose it. Like, move on. Oh. Like, it's, it's just like, I think it's a bitchy thing. What do you think of? Wow, no one's never turned these back on me, and I feel terrified, actually. When I think of use it or lose it, uh, I think it's only been used to me in, like, a like a educational context with, like, a tool I have. That what? Like, is, what? Yeah, That's what am crazy. I talking about? I think yeah, my, my instant – okay, let's – I'm on the therapy couch. I'm thinking of, like, an art class situation where, like, if I'm not going to – if I have the red crayon, it's like there's one red crayon. So you use it or I'm going to take the red crayon. So see, like it's already a bitchy, threatening situation. It there. is bitchy. And yeah. it's art class. So it's super And it's queer. just like, well, make a decision now. And it's like, I might want red, <laughs> yeah. but I'm still fucking deciding. I want all the crayons because yeah. uh, I'm a Montessori child. Like, why are we? Why do we have one red crayon is the more important question. 100%. That's yeah. a great question. Yeah. Who orders these it. school supplies? Oh, not me. Thank just, God. <laughs> I make a lot of changes at this school. <laughs> I bet you at Girls Rock Camp, there's just red crayons everywhere. We have a lot of crayons, a lot of markers, a lot of stickers. However, we have had, I believe since 2015, a glitter ban because yeah, no, it yeah. is too difficult to get out of the carpets. We have the incredible space. Um, we have had generally for most of the time at Girls Rock Camp, the incredible space of the Transac, yes. so, which is like one of my favorite buildings in Toronto. And uh, they are uh, raising money for renovations right now. So if you Google like Transac fundraiser, uh, I do believe uh, you can find a place where you can give them money. You should definitely should give them money. It's a great one of our last amazing uh, central uh, able uh, uh, able to be accessed uh by like the ttc venues yeah. such a weird little space and i've played there many times with like mm. two rooms in the front and then a weird huge room in the back and you had to become a member there and i still get membership mm. emails from the transac yeah give them your money support mm. girls rock camp but don't a, don't show up don't with any ever glitter. Bl bring glitter yeah it's don't a glitter bin <laughs> because yeah, also you were a bit wild but there's luckily there's newer glitters like a glitter gel would be okay it's just like no loose glitter no loose glitter same thing with microbeads we don't we can't get that stuff back people yeah. try a streamer Ooh, yeah, like it's that. all one thing, real easy to clean up. Uh, so before we go into, into too much art supply discussion, let me just check your marks. Let's see, queer, queer, queerist, etc. Congratulations, Critty. You got 100%. Yes. Full marks, one streamer. You are, in fact, a queer person. Oh, my gosh. The validation. It feels good, huge right? Huge weight off my shoulders. Yeah, thank you. Thank God, finally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so before I let you go, anything you want to plug? Um, yes, my band, Lavender Bruisers. You can check out our music on streaming services or uh, purchase it at lavenderbruisers.bandcamp.com. Yeah, and yeah. my old band's two albums are still available. Patty Cake uh, at Patty Cake, P-I-T-T-I, -T -T like Patty Smith, uh, P-I-T-T-I, cake.bandcamp.com and if you check that out you can also check out trevor's beautiful art for <sighs> the prime minister of cool chicks and yeah all those records are for sale um and the money goes directly to uh making more music so please uh buy it if you want to try it yeah do it when you <laughs> great one uh yeah you of course you can probably stream all these things but if you want to put some money in the pockets of the people who make these things go on the band camps go on the whatever oh it's so cold i know just do it just support <laughs> folks y'all because we are uh we're doing it out here for free a lot of the time i know it's wild, wild. 
I mean, listen, we're, we're givers and we always will be. Uh, Critty, thank you for coming on the show because when we started this production, I was a very queer person and talking to you has made me queerer than ever. Hells yeah. Thanks for having me. There's no one else I wanted. Bye. Bye, gay. <laughs> Bye, gay. <laughs> queer, 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 queer. And that is our show. Critty, thanks for letting me trap your voice in a sound cue, much like Ursula from Disney's The Little Mermaid, and play it at my leisure. As always, I would love to hear from you. Email me at youmademequeer at gmail.com with, quite frankly, anything. Please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. Not to Joe Rogan's. Not to Joe Rogan's. To You Made Me Queer. Make like Joni Mitchell and cue credits. You Made Me Queer is created and produced by me, Trevor Campbell. Our engineer is Sean Ben Beaton. Our theme song is by Critty. Yes, from this episode. For more of her music, check out lavenderbrucers.bandcamp.com. Our website is youmademequeer.com. Our Instagram and Twitter handles are at youmademequeer. New episodes of You Made Me Queer come out every other Thursday. And from the bottom of my big bent heart thank you so much for listening i'm in love with you you and especially you until next time remember we're here we're queer and it's your fault